Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and welcome to Master Leadership, where we connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important topics to help us on our journey towards greater significance. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. Cheryl Lynn Mobley had less than zero interest in becoming a hospital president. But when she was asked to serve and stepped into the role, in she went. For five years, she had the honor and pleasure of serving alongside the best team ever. And many people remarked that they made it look easy as they consistently achieved a remarkable 99th percentile level of performance as compared to other hospitals in the U.S., They certainly weren't perfect, but they had perfected what to pay attention to and how to show up in order to hit these levels of outstanding performance. She had great fun sharing this path across industries. She loves the cross-pollination that takes place. Cheryl and her team have a big, hairy, audacious goal to have 500,000 people impacted by B99 organizations by 2025. She knows firsthand the difference between the positive, life-changing impact a B99 organization has on everyone it touches and the equally strong but negative impact other organizations can bring to bear. So Cheryl and her team are committed to helping build as many positive, high-impact organizations as possible. Life is way too short to be less than your best. Recalibrate.today. Our interview will begin right after messages from our sponsors. Have you been wanting to launch your podcast and just haven't found the right resources? I launched Master Leadership Podcast in 2016, and it now ranks in top 1% globally. I've gathered all I've learned and created Master Your Podcast in a Weekend course on Master Your Swag app so that you have everything you need to share your voice with the world, minus those excuses. So download Master Your Swag app on Google or Apple platforms to access the Master Your Podcast course and launch your podcast this weekend. Welcome, Cheryl Lynn Mobley. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for two things. One, in inviting me into your community and more importantly, for doing what you do for your community all the time. This is great. So thank you. Well, thank you. It's my passion. I love doing it. I love meeting people like yourself. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? I am. I am. All right, Cheryl. So tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now. It has certainly not been, shall we say, a straight line. You know, I'm, I'm kind of like that perfect exemplification of a sailboat that kind of got buffeted by winds along, <laughs> quite along the way. And as I look back, I can see how all of those experiences led me to have the perspective I have now. At the time, I didn't necessarily appreciate them. 
And so I've done everything from waitressing, which is a fabulous way to learn to multitask and work with people and deal with stuff. And, you know, it's just great. You don't necessarily think so at the time, but it's great exposure to working for some really large organizations, working for some small organizations, and ultimately ending up in healthcare, which hadn't really been a major passion of mine. I mean, it was kind of ironic because all the women in my family in some way, shape or form had done hands-on kinds of stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 uh, -uh not me. So of course I end up in healthcare, right? That's just kind of that, how that works. And I started off doing quality and risk management and all that kind of good stuff. And then ended up shifting to a different organization. And ultimately I was asked if I would serve as president of the hospital that I was working in at the time. And I had had absolutely no interest. I mean, to the point of, I had been pulled into a high potential program. And this is a large, very large organization, like 23,000-ish employees, okay, 15 plus hospitals and all the other ancillary type services that go with that. And I had said, I don't want to be president. Don't ask me. I don't want to do it. I'm more interested in population health. I'm interested in how we don't end up in my hospital as opposed to leading a hospital. And then, of course, he comes to me and he says, I need you to do this. And I'm like, seriously, really? You're going to ask me to do this now. And so I did, even though it was something I had literally done everything, but say, you know, have a temper tantrum and say no, and did it for five years. Fabulous, fabulous experience because we had an amazing team, because we did collectively fabulous work and made the life better for everyone that we touched. And that's my passion, right? You mentioned yours in the beginning. It's like, if we're going to do something, we're going to be the absolute best we can possibly be because everyone deserves that from us. Whether it's the people we work with, who touch us, who look at us, who receive care if you're in healthcare. And so I did that for five years. And because we were a very large organization, we would have people come in to our board meetings that went to all the other board meetings, right? And they would go, your board meetings are just really different. They don't feel like the others, right? And y'all are just always, there's so many good things happening. And how do you make it look easy? And you hear that and you kind of go, well, it's just what we do. I mean, it's, it's the only way we knew to be. And after a few other experiences I had of my team going out and coming back and saying, it's not like us out there. It's not really good out there. And so that led me to kind of my pivot point or my boot in the butt, as I call it, was that I needed to leave because our hospital had the system rocking and rolling. You know, you could pull me out. It wasn't going to matter. But there were other leaders and other organizations who really wanted to hit that same level of really stellar performance that didn't know the path, because if they did, they would have done it already. They would have been successful at getting there. And so I ultimately left there and started my own company called Recalibrate where we work with leaders and it doesn't have to be healthcare. We've had clients that are way outside of healthcare because it's really the, how you show up, you know, it's not the, this is where you put the oil well, right. <laughs> you know, or this is where you do that thing. It's like, if I need to tell you that, then you've got problems. I can't help you with. That's just not what we're here to do. And so that's the work that we do now. And so, but it's all built on the framework of me looking at going, you know, what did we do differently? that allowed people to say to us, y'all make it look easy. Your people are on fire. If we could clone them, it would be amazing. And so I really sat down and said, okay, what was different about us collectively? 
And I created this B99 guiding questions framework because I am a rock star two-year-old at asking annoying questions. <laughs> really, really good at it. I was known for it in the healthcare system. I was like, you always have really good questions. We don't always like them, but they're always really good questions. And so this framework is built around questions. So I would encourage any of the listeners who are curious, it's available on my website, which is recalibrate.today. They're more than welcome to look at it. If they want to know a little bit more, they can ask for a download to get some additional kind of a deeper dive, but that's there for everybody, whether we ever work together or not, because I think it's important to share that and get that out there. So in a nutshell, it was a reluctant path <laughs> to leadership, but I wouldn't undo it for anything, you know, at this point. I love this because there's so much depth in your story, first of all. <laughs> First of all, to become a president of a hospital with over 23,000 employees, is that, was that correct? That I well, that? it was the system had 23,000. My hospital did not, but the system I worked for. So when you're a president, you have responsible for your individual hospital, and then you obviously have system level responsibility. So the system was 23,000 employees, not my hospital. Thank you for the clarification. Right. No, <laughs> but, but still, I am super impressed. And, you know, when I think of organizations that really need great leadership, I think mm -hmm. of schools, I think mm -hmm. of education, and I think of healthcare because lives are on the line in mm -hmm. both disciplines. And so the fact that you were there for five years, you had an amazing team. And I love how you honor your team, mm. um, but certainly you led the team. And it says a lot about you. The fact that the board meetings were different, that says a lot about you and about how you led your team. You had the mindset of, okay, my organization's doing well. It's time for me to go out and help others to grow. Not everybody thinks that way. So you're thinking on a different level, at a macro mm -hmm. level, at a level where you really make an impact. You really mm -hmm. look to leave a legacy and it may not be, you know, follow me, but follow this mm -hmm. and it'll help you to get to the mm -hmm. place that you want to get to. And so I love it. Mm -hmm. B99 mm -hmm. at Recalibrate dot today, I will mm -hmm. certainly be looking into that because hospitals and how hospitals are run mm -hmm. is certainly something that has impacted my family. And so mm -hmm. I love what you're doing. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And it really is. And to your point, it's not about me and anybody, any leader that makes it about them, they've missed the boat. Mm -hmm. And it's ironic because my mentor, the one who asked me to become president, when I kind of, he says, you know, your team, I go, you can't take my team, right? <laughs> you know, I will help you clone them elsewhere, but don't poach my team, right? And I basically said the same thing to him. I go, they're amazing. And he basically said what you did. He goes, but you're leading them. That's right. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. You know, because it's just not my thing to put my, and it's, oh, yeah, that's just not what it's about. It is about exactly to your point of making other people better who we touch. That has been a struggle quite candidly when I first started my company with some people that were helping me work with it. Well, you've got to go brag about this and you've got to do that. And I'm just like, I did That's just not my thing. And it's like, but where's that balance that if you don't talk about what you're about, then people don't care. And so then you're ineffective in your mission, right? Your ability to really help other people shift is lost. And that's a dance I still deal with today. You know, it's like, where is that line? Because I do feel like I will have failed if I don't help others who want to make the difference, make it. 
And so that means letting them know we exist. And so it's that dance that I'm sure I'll go to my grave going, good about that one, right? (laughs) You're a tango dancer and you don't even know it. Uh, Yeah, I'm not a good, I don't dance in public at all. Trust me. (laughs) You certainly painted a great picture of true leadership. And so I love that. And I listen for humility. I listen for wisdom. I listen for all those things. And certainly you've encapsulated that in your story. And I love it. So, you know, we're hopefully recovering from the global pandemic, COVID-19. Don't know. 2022, yeah. Right. Um, But I'm certain that you've learned a couple of things. Can you share with us any quotes, advice, or practice that helps you most during crisis? That's a great question. So I think I happen to have been a hospital president when Ebola came to this country. Mm. And not making light of COVID in any way, shape, or form, but if you caught Ebola, it was not good for pretty much everybody. And our system was actually one that dealt with a patient, not my hospital, but our system. And so crisis to me really strips away what's truly important and what's maybe nice, but not necessary right now. And so for any crisis, whether it is something external like COVID or whether it's internal people are leaving or, you know, the world is shifted or supply chain is dumped, it really forces you to go, okay, what is our core? What do we really need to be doing and executing on right now? And what is, we'll pick it up later. It's not that it's not important, but one of the things that I used to tell my team all the time is we are individually and collectively a finite resource. And when we choose to do one thing, we are by default choosing not to do something else. So let's be really, really intentional about that. You know, let's not fool ourselves into thinking, oh, we can do everything. And it's like, no, we can't. And understand a yes here means a no there. And so I think from a crisis standpoint, one of the best, and I don't use this term lightly, gifts it brings us is a reflection and understanding of what's really important. And that's for you as an individual, you know, what do I want to look back on my life and say, here was my contribution while I was here breathing and to organizations, which have another level of service, they should exist to make other people's lives better, not their pocket better. They should do both because otherwise they won't exist. (laughs) I mean, so I'm not anti-capitalism in any way, shape or form, but it's that question of what are we here to do? You know, what are we here to do that no one else can do or will do? And I think that's the gift of any kind of external pressure like this is to really stop people in their tracks and make them think and answer that question, both for themselves individually and collectively in an organization. And I think one of the things that we're seeing now with, you know, depending on what you want to call it, the great resignation or this thing or that thing, I mean, pick your term, but people voting with their feet. Some of it I do think is a direct result of people had time to reflect and they go, I want something different out of life. And now I know it's possible. And you as an organization don't seem to want to give me that. At the same time, I think there's a lot of unreasonableness about what an organization should be and do for you. It's like, you're not in kindergarten anymore. This isn't your sole reason to be. They're not organized around making sure that you got a gold star today, right? So it's, again, it's back to the dance analogy, which is ironic because I can't dance, right? Mm -hmm. It's that sense of all of us having a really clear sense of what the other needs as well. And right now, one of the challenges I see 
on the flip side is there's a lot of us thinking just about us and thinking in some ways, honestly, like we're two-year-olds again, and we're going, everything should be about me. And it's like, no, where is your accountability? Where is your responsibility? You can't abdicate that and whine and have a hissy <laughs> and say it's out there. To me, it's that balance. So I think organizations, many of them have an opportunity to go, how do we want to show up? I mean, one of the things that makes me absolutely have a psychotic episode is if I hear someone say, our human capital. And I'm like, really? Why does that sound good to you? Human capital. It's like, could you be any more distancing and cold? And I realize it's a challenge. You know, it was people and then it was human resources and it's this and it's that. Why we can't just call them our people, our team. I don't understand why we have to do this. To me, it's an understanding of what everyone needs to bring to the table, both on the organization side and the individual side, without abdicating your own responsibility and quote unquote, blaming the other. And that's the downside that I've really seen lately. You know, I've seen a lot of people going, well, you should do this for me and you should do this for me. And it's like, well, if you run an organization, there's a lot of you who think that. And here's the deal. Most of you want something that's just in service of you. And you don't want the same thing. And when you join an organization, a community, and I don't care whether it's a not-for-profit or you know, a large corporation, they exist to do something. So when you choose to align yourself with them, you have to understand you're not going to get everything you want because you cannot make individual exceptions for thousands and thousands of people. Right. You know? And at the same time as an organization, what do you need to put in place and what's the attitude and approach you bring so people do feel recognized as humans? with a life outside of their work. I mean, for example, for us in the hospital setting, we would occasionally have patients who despite everything being done, didn't survive. And it was heartbreaking for the team because the patients were usually with us for a while. So they knew them, they knew their family. And we would actually gather around the entire care team to support them and love on them because we knew how much of themselves they poured out. And so it's that dual thing. It's like, we can't at the end of the day, not do our job. I can't say, I'm sorry, you'd rather be at the beach right now, but we have patients here. But at the same time, it's recognizing the toll that that takes and coming around people. So it's that dual piece of, as a business, you have a responsibility to deliver. And I absolutely agree with you. Healthcare, education, there's quite a few things where getting it wrong is tragic. Right. You don't ever want to get it wrong. But there are some things I used to tell my folks, I'm like, there are some things we cannot experiment with. I loved us experimenting to get things better. I and mean, when it comes to our patient safety and their care, we can never, ever experiment with that. We can always go above it, but we can experiment with that. That's not on our table of things to trade. So I think that for me, long answer to your question, you can tell I have a lot of emotion and a lot of thoughts around what I see happening, because to your point, if you work in healthcare, and it doesn't matter whether you're a direct line caregiver, whether you're a nurse, a therapist, a patient care technician, a physician, you pour yourself out all the time for your people. You mm -hmm. just do. So there's that attitude and expectation that we all came to work with. And I think there's certainly there's other organizations that could have that in of themselves, the people that choose to work there could kind of elevate how they feel about what they deliver to have that same sense of responsibility and obligation, honestly, to the people that they serve. 
as I was hearing you just explain this, I gleaned some words. And so I, mm. I've written them down. I'm not sure if I can see it too well. <laughs> My eyesight, I don't know what's going on. But anyway, <laughs> one of the things that you occur to me as a leader is you're very thoughtful. You're a deep thinker mm. and you're very strategic. Mm. You know, the fact that you want to get to the core of the matter. What is the core of the matter? What are some things that we absolutely need and some things that we can put off for later. You value people. We spoke about the humanity, the human capital, right? And how that's distant and cold. It just speaks to your love for humanity. Mm -hmm. I'm so thrilled about that. You also say, what are we here to do? And so you speak to people's purpose, like you ignite that purpose. So when people hear, what are we here to do? When we hear anybody say that, it really makes us go deeper, you spoke about responsibility. You spoke about being in a situation where you work for an organization, but there should be a win-win mentality. Mm -hmm. I'm here to win, but you're here to win. How can we help each other to win? You spoke about support. You spoke about love. Like what president really speaks about love in organizations, really? But yeah. it's necessary, right? Because organizations are made of people and we need to love. You spoke about coming around people. You spoke about pouring yourself and you spoke about Elevate. And Cheryl, you certainly ignited my heart. I love that you're doing this kind of work. Thank you so much for just sharing your heart. It is amazing to work around people that are engaged in what they do. And that quite candidly, it was a difficult decision to leave because yeah. our team was so awesome. And most people past the age of 30 know that's a rare gift. Right, right. And so you're just like, I know when I leave this, but it would have been from my perspective, I would have been abdicating my responsibility if I stayed. So for me, I don't believe in any way, shape or form that the experiences you were gifted with, I've been gifted with, all of your listeners have been gifted with are for you. That's right. They're not, <laughs> they're not for you. They're for you to pass through. They're for you to share. They're for you to give other people the experience that you have had that in their life, they won't have time to have. And that changes things when you feel like it's not about me in any way, shape or form. I happen to have been the one who've had these experiences that just lights my fire to get out there and share it. But it's not because I'm perfect. I am certainly not, never have been, never will be. I used to tell my team, as long as we were breathing, we will make mistakes. Now, there are some mistakes we just can't ever make, you know? but as we experiment and try to always get better, we will make some. So it's that wisdom of knowing what can you experiment with and what can't you, and how does that look like? And so for us, the fun thing is the work that we do is industry agnostic. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. You know, one of my other clients who were fabulous was a energy firm that had built up an amazing company, but they had built it beyond anything they had ever worked in. So they were like, whoa, now what do we do with this thing? Right? And it's just as applicable for them as it is for healthcare or as it is for pharma or as it is for a not-for-profit, right? Because it's really all around, as you look at the framework and you look at the questions, one of the people that I'm working with right now, a group is a sales team who's trying to show up in really different ways. And what appealed to them was they were like, we love that you've got a framework and we love that you tell us when we work together, it's a very bespoke, customized model based on where we are right now. So it doesn't matter what you're doing. If you want to, then the term I use a lot, if you want to rock it, then this framework can help you as an organization, as a leader. But its goal is to shift the organization 
kind of one person at a time, you know? And so it's an honor to be able to do it. And it's so exciting to see other people go, Ooh, I love this. Right. <laughs> you know. Well, and Cheryl, I love that you really believe in that it comes to me and through me, and it certainly is coming to you and through you. Mm-hmm share the experience, share the knowledge, share the positivity, but also the wins, which is very needed right now. So thank you so much. Now, as a lifelong learner, what are you learning right now? Right now, I think the thing I endlessly become aware of is how much I get in my own way. And I don't always like it when I'm aware of it. (laughs) I don't like it anytime I'm aware of it, but it's facing that head on and putting myself in some situations where I am fully prepared and expecting and know I will be uncomfortable to get better at things that don't come naturally to me, but that I believe are important. So for me, that's kind of the BD side of the business. As I mentioned earlier, when people were like, oh, you must just get out there and say and name things the Mobley method. And I'm like, no, I can't do that. And they were like, why not men do it? I'm like, I don't care what anybody else does. That's not my standard. I have to answer to me. Thank you very much. I have to answer to God. Thank you very much. Beyond that, I don't have to answer you, right? That's my parameter. It's learning about the things where I have quite successfully said, I'm not good at this. No, I don't want to do it. And it's like, you need to stop that. And it's realizing that in this case, it is something like we talked about that does need to be at an excellent level for me to deliver on what I'm here to do. And so it's being willing to step into that kind of discomfort and saying, you know, it's time, no more excuses, no more, well, I'm not gonna, you know. And so it's really just that continual push because I think to me, a failure is not having pushed myself and not being better at something. If you and I were to talk again in two months, if I'm not better at something in two months than I was now, then I have failed and wasted those two months. Cheryl, you speak on very important things. I mean, having leadership skills are great, but personal growth is the foundation of all that. And so when you talk about, you know, how you get in your own way, I know when I've experienced that, I'm not aware until somebody else tells me. And so I welcome people speaking into my life. Not everybody, but my inner circle, right? Right. The ones who have earned the right to speak. Yes. You know, I have coaches and that's super important. So, you know, for our listeners who are learning about you, who are learning about leadership and personal growth, What's something they can do to start moving in that positive direction? It's a great question. So I will tell you that pretty much without fail, every leader that I have met that I have tremendous respect for, if I ask them for kind of, well, how did you do this? And what about that? Without fail, they will say to me, well, I don't know that I'm really good enough for you to be asking. Those are the amazing ones. The ones who realize there's more to learn the ones who are teachable, the ones that are humble. And so what I would say is to people that are going, this is a path I want to step on. I would say, start right now. There are places that you can lead right now in your life. It has nothing to do with position. Some of the most effective, amazing leaders in the world didn't have somebody, you know, give them a title. And having a title doesn't mean you're a leader. It just means you've got a title. (laughs) We confuse them as being the same. So I think the first thing is find a place to step in and make a contribution. Because to me, that's what leadership is about. It is making a contribution. 
it is helping others, whether it's people or an organization, go from here to here, whatever that means for them. Right. And being teachable, to your point. And so there are two aspects in my brain of being teachable. There's one that says, upon self-reflection, I see that I need to learn X, which is kind of what I was just talking about here. But there's also teachable that says, like you were saying, there are people that have earned the right to share their perspective with you. You're being teachable when you're open to that. So there's the reflection that I do on my own that doesn't require anybody else. And then there's the being teachable to what other people pour into me. Now, to your point again, you have to be really, really careful who you allow to pour into you, especially now, because it's really easy to get sucked into oh, well, if I, you know, success looks like making this much money and having this thing and doing that and having power and da, 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 you know, and it's like, it is really easy to go down that wrong road. Yeah. And so it's being very, very careful about who you listen to. So to me, that would be kind of my two cents to anyone who says, I want to improve or begin my journey. You know, I want to serve better. And it's, if that attitude is of service, then you will have the opportunities come to you where you can step up and learn and lead and grow. And so it's that self-reflection of, for me to serve, what do I need to know that I don't know now? And how do I best learn it? And we're all different. Some of us may want to hang out with somebody who does something. Some of us may want to read a book, listen to a podcast, watch videos, whatever it is for you. It's like honor your own method. Right. And also have people around you that you can trust to pour into you to show you what you don't see and be teachable to those. To me, it doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't. I love it. Thank you. Now, Cheryl, when you think of leadership today, what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? I think that concerning is kind of a circle back to what we talked about a bit earlier is what feels like a really self-serving disconnect between what organizations exist to do and what people that choose to work for them expect. As if all the, and I'm just going to lump them into economic challenges, right? <laughs> we could go on for days about all the ripple effects of right. everything that's gone on the last couple of years. So you've got leaders dealing with something that probably 99 and 9 tenths percent of them never foresaw. So they're trying to navigate that. And some with a really good heart, trying desperately to keep the organization intact so that they can continue to employ people and continue to do all that. And you've got that difficulty married with some people saying, well, I want you to be my be all and everything just for me. And I'm seeing some lack of integrity in terms of the way people are behaving. It would never, ever have occurred to me to leave anywhere without more than adequate notice. Right. It just wouldn't. It's like, why would I do that? (laughs) Now it doesn't even seem to be a thing. And I get really frustrated when I hear people excuse what to me is inexcusable behavior based on the times or based on someone's age. I'm like, get over it. Really? I mean, good manners and being responsible is not tied to a time frame, whether it's your personal age or whether it's the time that we live in. And so I see a lot of things that organizations are being asked to do that aren't really theirs to own. It's not their thing and people are trying to make it their thing. And so I think that for me right now is a really big concern on a completely just a different example. So I have, after years of not having horses, I got back into having horses again. And one of the things that amazes me is that horses are willing to step into a trailer, (laughs) 
They have no seatbelt. They have nothing really tying them in. They kind of get bounced around between the sides and stuff and all that kind of good stuff. But when you're driving a big vehicle, you can't turn like a car. You can't stop like a car. You can't. I have more than one time said, I wish as part of driver's education that everyone would have to drive something large just to see what it's like, because you don't know. And they're not thinking because they're so focused on something else. And I see our leadership situation right now being the same thing. I see a lot of people who have never had the responsibility to lead expecting things that aren't reasonable because they just don't know. And then I see leaders, some not being taken care of themselves. I mean, in some ways I see leaders right now, it's kind of the sandwich generation because their leadership is going in their own mind. Well, you're leading, you should just be fine. <laughs> you know, we've elevated you to a leadership role. You shouldn't need any TLC, but we're expecting them to just pour heart and soul into their people and run a company. And to me, that's just really wrong. I hate to break it to you, but those humans that are leaders, they're still human. Still human. <laughs> you right. know? And they're getting pressure from you and pressure from here. And nobody's thinking about what's going on for them. Yeah. And so those are the things that really concern me is that disconnect and shall I say the passionate rhetoric <laughs> associated with said disconnect. That's for me what I find really concerning all the way around. So I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I think all of us have an opportunity to behave better. All of us have an opportunity to think beyond our own wants and needs right now and think that everybody else should solve them. It feels like in a lot of ways we've regressed to kindergarten. You know? And it's yeah. like, it really isn't all about you. Right. It never was. That's been going on for years in some small level, right? If you had somebody in any organization that brought in a lot of money or did a lot of things, often they got a pass on bad behavior. I've never thought that was okay. It just feels like we're seeing a lot more bad behavior now and people thinking it'll get them where they want to go. And so I think we all need to really sit back and reflect and go, am I proud of the way I'm behaving? Does this feel like I'm honoring what I want everybody to see this? You know, would I want my kids to do exactly what I'm doing, behave that way? treat other people that way, treat me that way? Probably not. And so I think that's just a really important question we all need to hit the pause button on. Whether we work inside an organization or not, you're still having an impact on other people. Right. And it's not just about me. And if we all just take a pause and really <laughs> ask ourselves that, mm -hmm. it would make a difference. And instead of reacting to people, really reflect on how am I contributing to this, whether it's negative or positive, and really shift that. Now, what are you most hopeful about? Because in some ways, like it or not, COVID did hit a pause button for some of us. What I'm hopeful about is that we are having an opportunity to really reflect on what do I want life to be? And so the opportunity to think about that in a different way, both individually and as leaders and as organizations is a potentially painful gift, but I think it's a gift. Right. And we can choose to whine and piss and moan about everything that's happened, or we can choose to go, how can we take what we've learned and come out better, stronger, and different? I mean, I get when people go, the new normal. And I'm like, just get over it. You know, or people who are like, well, I want to get back to the way it was. Also get over it. It's not the way it was. And yes, what do you want to bring forward with you? 
And what are the new things you want to adopt and kind of merge? And so I see us being in a lot of times too simplistic, you know, it's either the new normal or it's the old thing. And it's kind of that old adage, are you throwing the baby out with the bathwater? We've got a culture, I think in some ways that says only the new stuff is good. You know, anything that isn't brand spanking new is old and out of date. Well, no, it's not. It's just, again, it's, it's how you think about it. So for me, I think the most hopeful thing really is the opportunity to reflect on what do we bring forward from quote unquote before And what are the new things we have to merge in with that to do things substantially differently and not just kind of put paint on a wall and call it good? Cheryl, when you refer to a struggle or a challenge or, you know, this pandemic, you've mentioned the word gift several times, which tells me something. It tells me that you've gone through some things. You've Mm -hmm. gone through some personal things in your life. You know, when people mention struggle and they equate it with a gift. To me, it's someone who has learned something very, very deep in their lives. Mm. And so you have an option here. You can share that with us, or you can answer a question from a former guest. What I would say to you is you pick whichever one you find the most valuable at this point. I trust your judgment. I'd love for you to share something that has gone to you and through you to us. Okay. One of the things that I grew up with in my family was a dad who had very, very high standards and very high expectations and kind of a no excuses attitude. And, you know, think drill sergeant ish. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And there are some ways in which that's wonderful and some ways in which it's horrible. But one of the things that I learned pretty early on was I better bust my hump. You know, I better do the absolute best I can. And it doesn't always mean that it's going to be flawless, but I better bust my chops. And that became kind of ingrained in me. And as I went along in life, anything I do, I'm going to do to the best of my ability. And I didn't care whether I had a lower level role, quote unquote, or not, because too many people want to live for later. They want to excel later. And for me, it's like, no, you rock everything you do. I don't care whether it's getting poop out of my horse's stall, because to me, that's a sign of how I take care of them and it's clean and it's good and it's healthy. Or if it's leading my team in a time when we've got to figure out how to keep everybody safe and all the rules keep changing and the recommendations keep changing, it doesn't matter. Okay. So how you do those small things is how everything. Exactly. And it's that attitude that when I was asked to become president and I was talking to my mentor and the person that asked me to serve. So again, remember the overarching organization is about, like I said, 23,000 people at the time. And he was second from the top. And he said to me, he goes, you know, your transition to president was kind of a non-event. You just did it didn't have to work with you, didn't have to do anything. You just did it. And to me, that is a reflection of no matter what I'm doing, I'm doing my best and continuing to learn a on my own and be teachable. Even when there's times when it's uncomfortable, probably one of the first worst experiences I had as an early leader was getting the results back of a 360 was like, I don't ever want to show my face again, ever. This is horrible. You know, there are things that are going to be difficult and they're not always going to feel good. 
And it's like, you kind of have your wine, you have your moan, and then you get over it and you get back at it. And so when I was talking to another group of healthcare leaders at one point, I go, whatever you are doing, rock it, just rock it, whatever it is. And don't wait and don't think that you will earn anything more than what you're doing if you're not amazing at what you're doing. That's inside you. And so that for me is something that I have carried all the way through. And for example, when I said I get in my own way, I really disappoint myself because then I'm certainly not doing the best I can do. You know, I've kind of put my little head in a corner and I've gone, I'm not good at this and I've not done it. And so then you fast forward a year or two later and I'm not where I should have been because I made a bad choice. And so it's owning that, but it's also going, it's done. I made it. Learn from it. Move on. Don't do it again. <laughs> and you're certainly a high achiever, certainly a woman who rocks it. And so <laughs> for us humans who do rock it and who have that energy, right, there are times when we come down. There are times when we, you know, need that time to, okay, sit and wallow for a day, maybe, maybe a couple of hours, but giving mm-hmm. ourselves that permission. And I learned that from, I believe it was Tina Clements. Mm-hmm. And she was on and she said, yeah, you know, you give yourself that permission for a little bit, but then that's it. Come on. Move, move. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> absolutely. On. But just that little advice was great mm-hmm. because I, you know, I could beat myself up for being down. Right. You know, like, come on, Lily, come on. No, I could stay here for a little bit and yeah. you know, do whatever, you know, whether it's binge on something, but give yourself that permission to do that. And that that's okay to do for a little mm-hmm. bit. And And I think it's necessary to do because otherwise you kind of drag it along like a towel behind you pretending it's not there. It's like wallow in it. And then generally, and again, I am in no way talking about folks that are suffering from clinical depression or anything else. I'm not going there, but you kind of get tired of wallowing in it. If you just go, no, I'm going to wallow in it. You're finally like, I'm tired of this. I want out of this. But if you don't acknowledge it, it kind of just does this at you. That's right. And if you're just going to go, I'm going to give myself the time, whether it's a pity party or I wallow or whatever, or I'm bummed, and then you move on. Right. Yeah. That little piece yeah. of advice is so valuable. Thank <laughs> you. Now, Cheryl, as a listener of this podcast, what's a question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to? Like, what are you curious about? I am always curious about what was a pivotal moment for a leader, you know, and it's always very individual. You know, it's like, what drove them to step into this additional responsibility that leading brings? Great question. Thank you so much. Now, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? You know, just mainly kudos for listening to you, listening to this as a resource and learning and investing in themselves and being curious and hopefully teachable. I think that's awesome. Whatever space they play, whether it's at the level they want to be at right now, again, it's like rock what you're doing. If they're curious about what I've got going on, they know where to find me and, you know, happy to connect with anybody that's got more specific questions. It's it's certainly there as a resource. So, all right. So that's Mm recalibrate.today. Cheryl, I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. It's been great. Ah, well, thank you. It was a blast. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.